series is not um, a series for those who do not love to study the Bible. It is a spiritual development series that I'm teaching on knowing how to study the most important book in the world and what is needed for your spiritual development. It is a non-negotiable component in our spiritual work. Hallelujah. So tonight again, we are going to be going deeper, but let's quickly do a recap. So there are basically two things we are going to recap tonight. All right. Number one, I gave an assignment on um, angels. All right. Uh, and I know that most of our various tables, we did a study on, the, on that word, uh, angels. Uh, we studied the book of Acts on the, the, the various uh, roles, um, themes around angels. Then we added Matthew to it, also uh, to dig deep on the subject of angels, the functions of angels, and how. So we did a topical, basically, what we did was a topical study. And the topic was on what? Angels, all right? And um, so, and I told you how to summarize um, the outcome into different categories, which can help you know the ministry of angels, how to relate with angels etc etc so tonight again we are going to just recap on um, that then um, i'm going to get um, some of the people who were at the various tables to tell us the outcome of what they learned um, later on now last week we talked about the various bible genres and um, i told you that the word genre is a type of literature is a type of literature, art, or music. All right. So when I refer to what genre of music do you like, I'm talking about what kind of music, what type of music do you like. So you know, for in terms of music, for instance, we realize that there are different genre. We have the hip hop, R&B, reggae, um, uh, Afro beat, Afro pop, whatever. So and, um, these are different kinds of music genres that when you hear them. It, it, it clicks in your mind what to expect. So, for instance, if I say somebody should play um, hip-hop, all right, that, oh, the, my favorite um, music genre is hip-hop. You don't expect me to stand there to, when you say, okay, so give me your favorite hip-hop artist. Then I say, bang, 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 How does that relate to what? Hip-hop. Because you know that that is not hip-hop. That is a, rather another genre of muse, uh, music that is called makosa, all right? So, but when I say makosa, all right, and you tell me to, 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 to give me um, the favorite makosa beat, and you then hear me say, bam, bam, uh -huh, you will not be surprised because that is the synonymous beat with that genre, all right? So, you, this, is, so this is what I want you to know about Gerard. The same thing with music and beats and um, art too. Now, in terms of literature too, Bible literature too, there are different types of genres. So when you want to study your Bible, one of the things we learned last week is that one of the things you have to determine or you have to first understand that what genre am I studying? What genre of the Bible am I relating with right now? Because that will help you to understand what you are doing so and there are six types of um bible genres that we we learned last week the six major types so let's quickly look at those six major types then we would go on from there the first one is what 
In your note, the first general I explained to you is what? Narrative. All right? Narrative. Okay. So, narrative. Okay. So, the narrative general includes historical accounts of events, right? People and uh, places. So, majorly, when you talk about narrative, you understand you are narrating a story. For instance, now, the moment I start with, um, once upon a time, what do you say? Once upon a time, you instantly, by default, we would to say time, time. Then I say, now, there was a, um, there was in a land, all right, um, um, of uh, faraway land, um, a, a tortoise. And uh, he had this. He, instantly, you know that what I'm talking about is what? A narrative, a story, um, an historical account or something like that. So if somebody writes about the history of Nigeria, that's a narrative, okay? So in, in narrative, it, it then helps you to know that, okay, in narrative, this is the approach. This man is talking about a story. So there are things that you don't necessarily study when you are studying narratives, okay? So for instance, now, if I say the Igbo people, all right? Now you are trying to go and find out the English meaning of Igbo. You will be, you will, because that's what some of us do when we say we want to just study Greek word, Hebrew word. You know that it's not, it's not in every time you can read meaning to read. Or if I'm giving a narrative and I, 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 and I, and I use the word, uh, most of the time, if I, it is narrative, you, some of the narrative, you hear, you hear somebody say something like um, uh, clefts. Every Sunday we have our cleft meeting. And you are now going to go and do um, 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 word study on clefts. You know you have missed the road because in our context in this church, cleft simply means one thing and one thing alone. All right? So that is what you need to understand. So um, what are the examples of narratives that we have? Historical books in the Bible. Genesis, right? Exodus. Um, we also have um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You remember that those ones are narratives. It's talk about the story of Jesus, right? Then Acts also. The book of Acts in the New Testament is historical because it tells about the New Testament church. All right? So those are historical accounts. Then the next one is what? After the other general we, we learned last week is what? Poetry. The poetry general. And um, you see, when you are, any, any book that is um, a poetic in nature, one of the characteristics is that they use a lot of figure of speech. Figure of speech. All right? They are, they, they are masters in using figure of speech. All right, so, and um, we, we, we know that um, books like Psalms, so for instance, let's take the book of Psalms, for instance, now, you realize that when you study the book of Psalms, there are a lot of figures of speech there, images, allegories, so you see something like, the Lord is a lamp and a light, the Lord is a, is a strong tower. He's a present help in time of trouble, he brought me out of the mire clay, he set my feet, so you, if you now want to go and just do what study, you want to do what study in a, uh, when the Bible general you are looking at, the passage or the book is a, uh, a, uh, a poetry, all right? You are going to miss it because you see, yes, you need to actually know that, yes, even though shield may mean defense, but you have to find out what does it mean in the context with which the man is using it. Even though rock means rock, but the man has said, you are my rock and my shield. 
So you are going to find out the meaning of rock. But in this place, what does it mean when it says rock? So is it a figure of speech? In fact, so you must know that, in fact, any time you know that what you are reading is the uh, poetic, is poetry, then you must know that you will encounter a lot of what? Figure of speech, images. They like to paint pictures. Uh, you know, sometimes, in fact, one of the things that comes with it in, in modern English is that you can even come up with some exaggerations there too. Exaggeration is part of the figure of, of speech. You understand? So, for instance, now, when, when he says, for instance, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. You know, yes, he has used the figure of it, but he's also using exaggeration because your, your own heart cannot really pants for the water, but he's just trying to help you know. So, you see, you need to know different kinds of figure of speech. If you want to, if you want to enjoy your psalm, is it exaggeration? Is using? Is it an allegory? Is it an irony? Because these are the various. In fact, when you read Proverbs and uh, Ecclesiastes and all those th- um, Ecclesiastes and Psalms, some of the figure of speech they use sometimes. Some of them are irony. They are, and some of them are comparison. They are comparing two things to get an outcome. They use figure of speech there. So you have to understand the figure of speech that is being used all right to really be able to enjoy the fullness of what you are studying or reading in that biblical context i hope you've gotten this right now so you must note this so in in, in, in the, the poetry book of the bible the poetic books are ecclesiastes sons of solomon psalms and some part of proverbs all right proverbs and you see that for instance now another good uh, common thing you will see when you are using poetic poetry are rhymes are rhymes so for instance um you read some of the psalm that says um if it has not been for the lord on my side let Israel say if it has not been for the lord on my side then will the land uh, the, the, then will men have conquered me let Israel say if it has not been on the lord on my side oh or another thing that, another one is uh, for his message endure forever i think that's what i'm trying to say for his message endure forever then he will say something for his message endure forever then will say another thing for his message endure forever he's using rhymes there are rhymes you know and because remember that poems all right a lot of them that's why you hear that the songs of david the songs of this the, the guy is trying to sing, all right? So he's not writing a letter. That is why you hear the songs of David when he defeated Absalom. The songs of this when, you know, these are, because they are songs, they are poetry, they are poems. So just like we too, we say, black, black, black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, yes, there's the three black gold. One for the master, one for the clay. That is what you, so when you are reading Psalms and you see a songs of, the song of David when he was in the cave of Adullam. What should you come and say, I'm going to... I'm. So once you see that edda, you know that, oh, this is a poetry. So your mind should be that is, is actually, there will be lines, rhymes, and all those things there. I hope that is clear for you. All right? So I'm not going to be able to go back into a lot of recap. All right? Then the other... The, number three is what? Prophecy, right? Okay. The prophetic generous. So the prophetic generous gives instructions, warnings... Um, they, they are the book that talks about warnings, future events, judgment, call to repentance. And um, we add them as major and minor prophets. And I said that it's not because of their importance. When you hear the word major prophet and minor prophet, oftentimes it's because of the number of books. The number of books. So if I say, oh, Isaiah is a major prophet, you know that he, at least he has more than 16 chapters. 
But the minor prophet, they have two chapters, two chapters, some one chapter, some three chapters, some four. And they, they also did not prophesy about major things. For instance, now, why is Jonah categorized as a minor prophet? You realize that the, the climax of Jonah's story was about Nineveh. All right, when that thing was finished, nothing was said about Jonah anymore. So you can't compare him with Isaiah that prophesied about so many events. You understand? So because what they prophesied about or the event or the thing was just a short thing, it did not span through a long period of time. That is why they are regarded as what? Minor prophets. So, but the major prophets prophesied different events at different times and their books are voluminous and they prophesied about different subjects. So, but Jonah, for instance, when you look at the book of Joel, the book of Joel spoke, the climax was when he began to talk about the what will happen in the last days. So you realize that it was a very, very short thing. Malachi, on the other hand, too, you realize that it's the same thing. Oh, it's by, by, by Malachi chapter 3, the summary of the entire book, it was not talking about the backsliding of Israel and recalling them back to God to do what they used to do. The same thing with Hosea. When you go to Hosea, you realize that Hosea was talking majorly about the temple of the Lord that they need to go and build. That they are forsaking the temple of the Lord to go and start building their own house and they began to tell them how God is feeling about their decision. But that was it. He didn't tell about um, the future of about, about the Christ that was to come. He didn't give Messianic uh, prophecy too much, even though you have something like that in Hosea chapter 2, I think verse 2, verse 5, Hosea 2, 5, you know, O thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be literal out of the thousands of Judah, yet out of this shall you come unto me, thou shall be rulers in the house of Israel, whose going forth has been from of old, from everlasting to everlasting. You know, but yet, it's just very small. So I hope that you have understood what, um, what we mean by major prophets, minor prophets. Okay, so the prophetic genres in the Bible are what? We then have them as Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Daniel, Ezekiel, Lamentation, Joel, Hosea, you know, on and on like that. Then we have the Lord genres, the Lord. The, the, uh, um, in, in, in Judaism, it's called the book of the law. In fact, Jesus referred it to majorly as the book of the law. So when you, when you read Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, for instance, when he said, this book of the law should not depart out of thy mouth, then you instantly know that that book of the law, um, some people call it the Pentateuch. They call it the Pentateuch. And um, they are Genesis, what? Exodus, yes. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The, five, the first five books. Of the Bible, they are referred to as the Pentateuch. They are referred to as the Book of the Law, and um, that is what um, the Lord general. So they give commandments, instructions. They give commandments, instruction, insight for living, the nature of God. You find that um, no, the commandment of God, insight for living for the children of God. That is what you have there. Then number five is what wisdom literature, the wisdom general, the wisdom literature. All right, so. The wisdom literature, I said, should be your favorite besides the New Testament. If you ask me, for instance, now, what a Christian should read more often besides the New Testament, I will tell you, go to the wisdom literature. Why? Because they give you insight for living, wisdom for living. That is the whole aim. It helps you to understand life, the life around you, how to relate with life and the rest of the things around you. That is what the wisdom literature does, and that is how to relate with it. So you, you, you realize, so books like the book of Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, they are the three wisdom, major wisdom books that we have. I hope this is clear. Those of you who are joining online for the very first time, I hope you have been blessed by all this revision we're doing. Okay. Um, 
So the next one is what? Epistles. Epistles. So epistles are the New Testament. Um, they contain letters written to different churches by the early church fathers. All right? Including Paul, Peter, James, John. All right? So when you hear of an epistle, is that a collection of letters. They are letters that are written by the early church fathers. So and majorly we have the ones in the, in the New Testament there are the major uh, um, authors we have are Paul, Peter, James, John, all right? And um, these are the major, um, four major people that wrote um, the epistles in the New Testament. Others are disputed, like, for instance, the book of Hebrew. Some will say it's not Paul, some will say it's Paul. And, uh, but at least if we want to know that the major people who wrote letters, all right, and then they, they wrote letters, they um, um, those are the, so what we call letter writing today, when I say I'm writing a letter to you, all right, is what they call epistles, all right, is the word for epistles. That's just a thing. So whenever you are read, write, um, reading an episode, you should know that there are letters that are specifically written to a particular group of people. Yes, they contain eternal principle, but first and foremost, what must be on your mind is that they are written to a group of people, because if I'm writing a letter, there must be those who I am addressing the letter to. I must address the letter to someone or a group of people, all right? So, in a particular area, I cannot address letter to the world, in a certain sense. Even if I address letter to the world, it must be to the world as it is today, right? So, when you are reading epistles, this, this one will deliver you from some confusion. When somebody will say that, oh, for instance, that, oh, a, um, 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 uh, maybe like I told you the other day that a woman should never wear trousers or uh, don't wear your ring or don't cover your hair before you pray and all those things. The first thing you ask the person, where is that found in the Bible? Then as, as a Bible student, what you are trying to do is to first find out which genre is this. Is it in the law? Is it in the wisdom book? Is it in the narrative? All right. Is it in the wisdom? Is it in the... Is it in the poetry? Because if you find it in the poetry, you say, well, it's a poem. It's a figure of speech he's using. You already you know that that thing, if it's in the poetry part, it may likely, it, it may likely be a figure of speech. Then, if you then realize that, oh, is it in the narrative? All right, then, if okay, this particular thing that this person is quoting right now can be found in the epistles, then the question then will be, who was it written to? Because you know that every epistle is a letter. Alright? So, once you have that understanding, now you have, you see, you will no longer argue with people unnecessarily about different things. You will become more sound. Because right now, you have already narrowed down your problem. So, when somebody says, hey, a man should not wear what belongs to a woman. For instance, you know that it was the law. Alright? So, you realize the reason why you will not find such instructions in the New Testament is because they, they realize, okay, what is God trying to tell us here? Then they derive the eternal principles. Because there are some things that are contextualized to a particular group of people. There are some that have eternal principles. So for instance now, anybody that is arguing with you on that, you say, but in that same law, it, that is where you have the word that you should not wear um, cutting material. Then it says you should not eat unclean animal. Don't you realize that even Peter refused to eat unclean animal until Galatians. It is in the book of Galatians that Paul began to now 
show us that Peter actually changed that mind. But in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 9, he has not changed his mind. In Acts chapter 10, he has not changed his mind. You realize that he did not really eat much in the house of um, Cornelius. But by Galatians, the Bible says that Peter began to also eat with the other people until some Jews then came later, all right? And um, Peter then disassociated himself to look good. And Paul stood and rebuked him very well. So you are an hypocrite. Why would because even what else do you want God to do for you? You know that God has shown you that what don't call what they have called clean unclean, and you are still doing all this. So Paul had to stand and rebuke Peter openly in front of the entire church. He rebuked the bishop of the church for hypocrisy. In front of the, he said, I gave him an open rebuke. You know, there are times that open rebuke is the best answer. All right, so you know, but so you must understand. So when somebody then says that, oh, is uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Then you ask, for instance, now, when we talk about baby dedication, some say, no, we must stay 60-something days, 40-something 40 some, uh, 40 days before you bring your child to church because it's written like that in the book of Ecclesiastes and the rest of the thing. Then you go there and say, okay, now, what do you think God was trying to achieve? In those days, there were no immunization. There were communicable diseases that children can get, leprosy and all those things. So God, even till today, when you give birth to a child, the doctors will just say, nobody should come and carry that child until they immunize the child. He said, avoid it, and they will have to give different injections, polio injection, this injection. But those days, there were no hospital like that. There were no maternity like that. There were no place for immunization. So God had to put a system in place where those children will first be strong and they will not contact contagious disease. But it does not mean now that today you have to wait 40 something days because no, you can come there for even two weeks if you feel that you have done all you need to do. You come to church, God will not send you back, all right? Because you go to the market with that same baby. You go to the um, um, school with the same baby. You go to hospital to the, with the same baby. How come it's only church that God is rejecting brand new baby? No! No, it doesn't make sense. If, rather, you should not go out at all at all for that 40 days. They will hear that you are a very serious person. <laughs> Hallelujah! So, do you understand why we must be studious of the Bible? Why we must be good students of the Bible? Yeah, so somebody then says, oh, it's in the episode. Then somebody says, it's in Second Corinthians that the Bible says a woman should not wear jewelry. We said, fantastic. So, let's, if, since, it's a, since it's a letter, so who was those letters? That means that that letter was written to the Corinthian church. Now, let's find out what was happening around them that would have warranted Paul to write that thing to them. Was he a response to their letter or was he originally written? You realize that most of the letters that Paul wrote, especially in Corinth, were response to what they have asked. They were response to their inquiry that they have asked. So you then ask, okay, now if it's a response, now does that mean it's an eternal principle? Or is there something, or is it is is cultural or eternal? These are the things we need to divide, to answer. So, for instance, those who said that a woman should not function in church, all right, you then realize that in the same scripture, even though Paul said that in Corinth, in the early part, he also said that let everyone that prophesies, which included women. So, how is he contradicting himself? That means that later on he was addressing a particular church. If not, he would not have said, prophesy here and say, oh, only women should not, um, some women should not prophesy because the ones he was writing to, they were no longer in subjection to their husband. So, these are the pe things that people, yes, you can clap for the Lord Jesus. So, these are the things that we as Bible students, all right, 
needs to understand so that it can help us become, so that we, we are not swayed by different forms of doctrine. So, uh, so I've given you the entire six, right? Fantastic. Now, today we are doing another form of Bible study. I, you know, I'm sure that some of you did not know that there are different kinds of Bible study like this, all right, or different approach when you are studying the Bible. Today, what we want to learn about is passage Bible study or passage study of the Bible. Passage study of the Bible. Passage study of the Bible. Now, when you are reading um, the Bible, so we are going to be using the epistles. I remember what epistles stands for. Um, letters. All right. Now, if you want to do passage study, I will advise you that majorly, all right, you can do more in episodes, episodes, but you can also do more in any other, but you must be able to understand the principle that guides passage study of the Bible. So I will explain to you. Now, remember that every verse and, um, that you read contains words. Then after words, it contains phrase. Then the complete sentence makes a paragraph. So a complete sentence makes a paragraph. That is why you see that they are, that it is a principle of paragraph that they use to divide the Bible into chapters. So most of the, uh, even though sometimes it, there are one, one or two issues here and there, but it, it is actually the, um, the principle of paragraphing, all right, words that they use to divide Bible into chapters. So each chapter is like the beginning of a new paragraph. Remember, you have words, you have phrase. Then you complete words and sentences makes a word paragraph. That's why you see that oftentimes when you see where the new verse will begin, all right, the new verse will begin, it will start after a full stop. Because they realize, that, okay, this is what this person has said. Now he's changing the subject here. So that is a new paragraph. Now, in doing passage study of the Bible, one of the first tasks, so let's go as steps to do Bible, uh, passage study of the Bible. Let me give you practical steps to do um, passage study of the Bible. You can pick any part of the Bible, but you should be able to understand passage study of the Bible. So the first step is determine the limits and the boundaries. Determine the limits and what? The boundaries of the passage you intend to study. Determine the limits and the boundaries of the passage you desire to study. Now, what do we mean? What is this called? Now, this is called a pericope. Pericope, not periscope. Pericope. P-I-R-I-C-O-P-E. Pericope. Pericope. Of the passage. That's what it's called. Limits and boundaries of the passage is called pericope. Pericope of the passage. Now, what is a pericope? A pericope is a self-contained unit. A self-contained unit. So, what, what, I will explain what that means to you. So, when I use the word pericope, determine the pericope of, um, let's say, 
let's say John chapter 15, all right, from verse 1. You realize if you open to John chapter 15, verse 1, how to know the limits and the boundaries with the pericope is that from the beginning, Jesus began to say, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. If any, any branch in me that beareth no fruit, it pointeth away. Any branch in me that beareth fruit, it prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. So you realize that from that verse 1, all that the subject is talking about is what? About the vine and the branches. But all of a sudden, you get to another verse that is saying, if you love one another, continue in my love. You realize that the subject has changed. So it helps you to know that, oh, what he was talking about now has ended. He has moved to another subject. So wherever there is a change of subject, the verse before that change, that subject change, is the, uh, all right, or the new beginning is a new pericope, is a new unit. The one that started from verse 1 to that point, or from any verse to that point, is another pericope. So you then realize that what Bible scholars have done, if you open to some of your passage of the Bible, all right, is to use different headings. So you yeah, realize that you say, oh, the, the disciples and the vineyard, or the true vineyard. Then they will continue that header. Then they will then put another heading. Each heading is the pericope. It means that what they are telling you is that whatever subject is started, this is where it what ended. Now, is a new thing that I've now started here. I hope that is clear. I hope that is clear. So, for instance, Tim, can I have um, the, 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 the one for, um, that I asked you for Romans chapter 8? Let's compare ESV. If you have ESV on your table, ESV and NIV, open to Romans chapter 8. You realize if you compare it in your Bible software, can I have Romans chapter 8? Okay. So you see that they have two different headings. Two different headings. All right. One is longer than the other, and um, they are using different headings. So some may call it based on what they feel is the, um, the Bible scholar, not what they feel, the Bible scholar, based on their research, have um, concluded on, then you will see them move. Use that particular heading. Am I, are you there? Oh, is it not there? Is there? So Romans chapter 8. All right. Uh, can, can you ensure? I, want, I really want it to be there. And um, whoever is there that is not taking this thing serious should leave the place now. Let the person leave the place. Now, I, uh, whoever is finding it difficult to do this thing that has been scheduled should not be there. Let's know that there's nobody there. Very, very important. Very, very important. Is diligence is part of um, the criteria of what we are doing. Okay, so, but those of you who have your Bible, this thing, so quickly open to Romans chapter 8 and tell me the header you have and the different headers you have. So somebody should open to Romans chapter 8 in NIV, another one in maybe in ESV, and tell me what, what, what you observe there. Okay, can we do that very quickly? So Romans chapter 8, NIV, what's the header you have? Pardon? Life through the Spirit. ESV, what do you have? Do you understand now? So one calling life through the Spirit. The other calling life in the Spirit. Now, check. Where did the next heading come in NIV? NIV, where did you see the next heading? Tell me the, the, the verse. Verse what? Verse 18, what's the header you found there? 
present suffering and future glory is what NIV gives us. Okay, good. They, they now have it. Clap for them. Finally, they, they've woken up from their slumber. Okay. Okay, good. So you see, all right, present suffering and uh, future glory, 18 to 30. That's what uh, NIV is saying. But you realize that ESV, his own is like, he's telling you that from verse 1 to 11, that is when Paul finished the other one. I will explain how to undo that to you. Then he's giving another header to, uh, from verse what? From 8, 12 to 17, he calls it as with the Spirit. Of course, when all of us are reading the same book, we don't have to have the same revelation. All right? Then another one is 18 to 30. It says future glory. But 18 to 30, this one called it present suffering and what? Future glory. But see, so by those headers are called what? What do we call those headers? Pericope. It means that, so it means if you want to do passage study, and you don't want to confuse yourself. If you are using NIV for your quiet time, watch. It means if you really want to understand your NIV translation properly, you need to read that passage from verse 1 to 17. If you are using NIV, because you see, NIV is translated in such a way for that particular passage of the Bible that you will not get the old gist until you reach verse 17. However, ESV is saying, no, I can help you better. I can help you understand it in another way. So ESV is saying that life in the spirit, all that Paul is saying, you can get it between verse 1 to 11. So if you are opening your ESV, you then want to go and stop at um, verse 4. You won't get it. This is why some of us, we have quiet time and we are not being blessed by our quiet time. Because we are not following the pericope. So if you want to use passage study, you have to ask yourself that I must follow the pericope. So you cannot say you want to read the book of John, for instance, or you are using the book of John as your quiet time, and you just open, then you are stopping at verse 5. No, what is the pericope of John chapter 1? You have to understand it because if not, you will really not get the full blessing. You will not get the full understanding. So you will see that this is why some people study their Bible, and they said, I forgot what I studied. You will easily forget because, you see, I did not end the story. You did not get the old gist. So different translators, because they are different scholars, they use different approaches, all right? So you must follow your pericope edda. Now, the other thing you then realize when it comes to pericope is that if you then want to come up and do your own study, you see, for instance, now, you may ask, for instance, now, oh, but life in the spirit, ESV says is um, Romans 8, 1 to 11. NIV then says life through the Spirit uh, is um, Romans 1 to 17. Which one should, 8, 1 to 17, which one should I follow? I would say that follow the largest one. Why? Because there's a reason why those ones have added more to it. So you follow, so go for that. Whether you like, if you thought there must be something the people, the scholars in, uh, in, um, in NIV saw that perhaps the one of ESV did not see based on their time, based on their understanding of the Greek words that were used, and based on different factors. So, always use the larger one. So, in this case now, if I am studying Romans chapter 8, verse 8, I will follow NIV, which says I should stop at verse 17. For that, if I want to see life through the Spirit. Don't try to go and uh, start your own um, edda, because some people have done the hard work already. So, just flow with what they have done. 
Can you, can't you do your own? Why not? But you need sound knowledge of the Greek or the original language to be able to do that. And I don't think you, you, you have that. If you have that, you can do it. All right? So that is that's the second step. I hope you have understood that about pericope now. So those who are not in church, you say, what is the pericope of the Bible? Do you know what the pericope is? You know, you're sure that they will be looking at you. Which one are you talking about? That's to show them that you are in church and you joined online. Praise God. Num step number what? Two. Read and observe and make notes. Read, observe, and make notes. Read, observe, and make notes. When you are using um, passage study, this is where this is actually where, where the culture of using markers came up. Now, let me show you how to use your markers. All right? Most of us have Bible markers, but we don't know how to use them. Or we don't know. Now, one of the things you have to do, for instance, if you ever pick up my Bible, if you pick up my Bible, and if, I, if I pick up my Bible, anywhere I see, you see blue, all right, is something that has to do with God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the deities of God, all right? So once I see anything that has to do with reference to God, I use blue. But in my Bible, when I use red, it's talking about anything that has to do with warning, sin, rebuke, correction. You know, I just go and look for my red marker. I, I, if you are using Tecata, I just highlight it with red. Okay? Yellow, sometimes it's for prophecy. So when I look at prophecy, so when I look, if I'm looking for, if I don't even know what to study, alright, where to study, I just go and um, in my own, I just look for, open any Bible, I just see yellow. I say, okay, I know that anytime I see yellow, I use it for prophetic words, prophetic words. Messianic prophecy, I use purple. Anything that, any, in the Old Testament, once I use purple, you know that, okay, I'm looking at something that has to do with Christ. Christ is talking about Jesus, prophecies about Jesus and the rest of the things. Now, but on Logos, this Logos has a special future, like what you, are, what you are looking at here now on Logos. You see, what you can see on your screen is a study of um, Second um, Timothy chapter 3. And uh, in Second Timothy chapter 3, what you can see on the screen right now, you see that when you, when you see cross, you, Logos gives you the highlighting future. Is the, is one of the software that has this only that I know that has this particular future. Others does not really have it. So logos, instead of just using highlights, you can also use symbols. So logos gives you the opportunity to use symbols. For those of you like Lady P who like to study, you know, do you know? So you are studying a particular passage. You want to know as many times the word that has to do with Christ appear in that place. You use your logos. So you use cross for that. Maybe you, you are looking at the word teach. Then you use other things there. All right. You so in this place now, when you see cross, 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 it tells me that it's referring to Jesus. He's referring to Jesus there. In this place, now when you see the one that I cross with red, that I cross is red, all right? No, not me, the, 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 the sample I took from Logos, all right? He's crossed with red. He needs suffering, persecution, all right? Persecution and the rest of the things. The servant of God, you see? So you, you, Logos, use, you can use another thing for blood, the blood of Jesus, our faith. So Logos gives you that advantage. I want to encourage you. Get a marker. If you want to really make your Bible experience rich, you need a marker. That's why you need a Bible carrier. And if you are using a software, the software has made it easy. Make sure you understand the color coding system that you are using. 
so that it can be consistent through your Bible. So that it can be consistent. So you have to decide what will blue represent for you. What will yellow represent for you? What will um, black represent for you? You can use black for anything that has to do with sin and the rest of the thing. You must have a system of color coding. I hope that is clear for us. All right? Then the next one is once you, are doing, once you have done that, once you have done that, all right, once you have done that, remember what I said is that take notes and read, observe, and make notes. Now, as you are reading a particular passage, begin to ask yourself, take note of what are the things that you have found confusing there. So maybe he said, the just shall live by faith. What is just? What is faith? Write it down. What does it mean when he said the just shall live by faith? All right? When he said, oh, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. What does lay hold mean? Anything in that passage that is confusing to you, don't worry yet. It's normal. Write it down. Now, the next thing you will do after you have taken note of that is that read that particular pericope about four times to five times. All right? Go again. You realize that as you are reading again, you will have missed some things the first time and you will not have missed it the second time. This is why passage study is what will enrich your spiritual development. Passage study will always help your spiritual development to grow. So read it again. Read it again like three or four times. Still take Ask as many questions. When he said, Timothy, um, uh, as, um, uh, uh, my son Timothy, do not be discouraged. You, so why did he ask do not be discouraged? Like any question, write it down, write it down, write it down. Now, the next step will then be step number three. Read it in multiple translations. Read it in multiple translations. So you see, this is where you need to understand literal translation and dynamic translation and loose translations. So, for instance, now, what you are using as a base, we have the base. The base scripture is the one you started with. Maybe it's NIV you started with. So, you started with that NIV, all right? So, once you started with NIV, that's your base. Then you're not okay. Now, let me read this same pericope of the Bible in other translation so you look for now you understand okay niv is it uh, dynamic is it literal is kjv dynamic is okay what i have started with is di uh, um, literal so let me look for another dynamic uh, translation so you go for nlt let me look for a loose dynamic one you go for message bible do you know what actually will happen by the time you read it in more than one translation some of the questions you've written down will be answered that is what it does for you you will, the Bible will help you answer those questions. Because you will see that these ones now use another word. So, okay, this is what it meant. Or, if you are not in Message Bible, Message Bible will not use the word, but we just go and look for figure of speech to use for you. So, Message Bible will just go and pick up a figure of speech or an expression to help you understand what... Paul actually mean when he said the just shall live by faith. If any man owes back, instead of turning you to a, um, a, um, a Bible scholar, Message Bible wants you to understand it in our own modern way. So Message Bible helps you understand. And what I do sometimes, let me tell you what I do. I go to my U version. And sometimes because I'm a Yoruba person, I download Yoruba Bible in U version. Then I will go and read that particular passage in my local language. I encourage you to do that a lot. If you are Igbo, go to U version. Download 
Igbo Bible. Download Igbo Bible from you version and read that particular passage in Igbo. You realize that it will just answer your question. Because you see, there are some things that I explained in your language that you will get more than in other language. So you see, there are times that when I read it in Yoruba language like this, I say, ah, because Yoruba is speaking to me very well. If I'm from a quiet bomb, and you can read a quiet bomb, go because when you see Nesere, Nesere to the, um, for instance, a quiet bomb uses Nesere for Mommy, a quiet bomb. Mommy, a quiet bomb. Mesere, you use it in the morning, night, and evening. Or you use it for all greetings. What do you use Mesere for, ma? Ma? Only in the morning. Good. Now, when the Bible then says, let me tell you where an acquired bomb person will find you version interested. When the Bible then says, in the third hour of the day, the angel came out to you, what is the third hour? But you don't go and carry. Um, Acquire bomb Bible in you version. Acquire you say in the Mesere hour. Say, okay, it's morning. Mesere is morning now. Mesere. Or your Bible will say, Lo Uro Kutu Kutu. You then understand because you are your Bible say, Lo Uro Kutu Kutu must be early. And so, you even without you knowing what they said by third hour of the day, you know that's why we get confused. Sixth hour, ninth hour, at the eleventh hour. Go to your Yoruba Bible, go to your Hebrew Bible, and see what it actually meant. You will understand it better. You see, oh, you will not clap for all this revelation. <laughs> so, this is how the Bible will be very interesting to you. So you are not going to look for the Greek word of third hour. You are going to look for the Hebrew meaning of third hour. Go to your Yoruba Bible straight. Go to your Hebrew Bible straight. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 1. When it says, the just shall live by faith. If any man draws back, my soul shall have no uh, pleasure in me. You, uh, you, uh, what is that? Uh, I don't understand. Make a go read that for my Yoruba language. Carry your Yoruba language. I say, oh, sister. That's how Pastor Lu used to interpret at our crusade. <laughs> Pastor Lu used to interpret English with He's <laughs> the best interpreter I've ever seen. Praise God. But please, people of God, hope you've understood what I'm trying to say. The Bible is not supposed to be complicated. It's supposed to be something, an experience you enjoy. Oh, you know, it's supposed to be what God speaks to you. And do you realize why you should also learn to read your version in your language? That there are some words you cannot find easily in English language. Even till now. Even till now. So, for instance, if, um, if a Yoruba person is praising God, and uh, Yoruba person say. Um, say something like, um, give, uh, give me a Yoruba word that we use so big. Um, um, what is Oloriki Egbag Beje? Or what is Banigbani Oloogogoro? You know, you, want, you are not looking for Oloogogoro in your, your English Bible. He will tell you the hand of God is not too short to deliver. Simple. The hand of the Lord is not too short. The one whose hand is not too short to deliver. But to the Yoruba person, Oloogogoro has a deeper meaning. Has a deeper meaning. So you see, Technology has now made our Bible study time 
not to be the reason why most of you cannot cram Bible, especially those of you who are finding it hard to memorize Bible. Use your version. Download the version in your language. Aquaibom is there. Ibo is there. Yoruba is there. And when you read the English, go back there. You will see that you will easily not forget. When I was young, guy, my mother made us to read Yoruba Bible. Until today, I, I, you know, I, 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 I will always remember. Egbori is okay. No, no, no. is okay. And when my mother is reading it, is okay. no, no. And say, okay. And she would begin to add her Englishman will be lost. Englishman will be what he will lost. His own is that lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up the everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come. But an acquired person will realize that the Bible scholar in acquired language as he will not use gates. He may not use gates. He will use something that is synonymous to acquired people. It will use something. So you now, you are doing your passage study. You are not, you are just saying, you just read. I said, this thing, I know the cram. You know, they enter my, 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 my sister. Jesus was not an Englishman, right? Go to your local language and study it. Go to your local language and study it. So you should, I, I am telling you this. Because we've talked about the pericope of the Bible, how to determine your pericope. We've talked about uh, 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 reading it in multiple translations, all right? And that is where we are right now, all right? So, the number, so how many steps do you have now? Number three, right? Read in multiple translations. Okay, good. We are going to stop in, um, um, I'm going to, because I really want us to go, and because some of the people who are joining us might have missed it online, so we need to go. Number four. Explore the historical cultural setting and location of the book. Explore the historical cultural setting and occasion of the book. Explore the historical cultural setting and occasion of the book. This is where we are going to stop today. So I'm going to actually, so that we can then go for practical class. Explore historical cultural setting and occasion of the book. So, what does this mean? You must understand that, for instance, now, let's take the uh, Second Timothy and First Timothy, or Second Timothy. Between, what's the difference between First Timothy and Second Timothy? First Timothy, right? Paul was not actually in prison yet. Right? He was writing, and you hear him say that, even though I hope to come to you very soon, and the rest. But 2 Timothy, Paul had been in prison for some time. And all those letters where they've told him at that time, he was not aware, especially the latter part of Timothy, when you read it, Paul was already aware that they have decided that he was going to die maybe on June 29. So when he was aware the day he was going to die, Paul had to write out some more letters. So you will not hear him say, I will come to you shortly. Rather, in 2 Timothy, he was, that was where he said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have laid hold of eternal life. But in 1 Timothy, he was saying, fight the good fight of faith. But he, in 2 Timothy, he said, I have fought the good fight. Because he realized that he's not going to come out. 
Number two, why you should do historical, cultural background check is that you must know that, for instance, why is it that in Timothy, he began to use so many things like soldiers? Because, you see, those were the people around him at that time. And when he looks out of his window, what do you see he will see? He will see soldiers marching. You understand? So, the, uh, the cultural things, the words he was using, was things that, uh, that has to do with the environment he was in at that time. You will not see him use most of those words in Romans. Because that was not the case when he was in Rome. You will not see him use most of those words in Corinthians because he was not in that same situation when he was in Corinth. Alright? You will not see him use that same words in Galatians. But if you want to see any Paul or anything that has to do with military terms, even without knowing which of the epistles, you should, something should tell you that it must be when Paul was in prison. And some of those letters were 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, then 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. So you will see, also somewhere in Ephesians 2. So you will see that what he uses a lot of military terms because he was in Rome. He had gotten to Rome and most of those letters were written from Rome. And Rome were the world power at the moment. And they were actually persecuting Christians at that time. So you must understand the thing very well. So how do you get this part, this um, historical cultural setting? You see, this is where a good Bible does. So if you have your Bible software, if, you, if you're using Tecata, for instance, Tecata will, will ESV on Tecata. You will see at the top, it will tell you introduction. Always learn to, if you want to do Bible passage study, go and read the introduction. It will save you from a lot of theological errors. Read the introduction. So for instance, if I'm writing from Orila Gege, if I've never traveled out before in my life, I'm writing from Orila Gege. If I want to talk about um, bad cultism, my, I will easily use example like Awawa. Anybody in Orila Gege will understand what I mean by Awawa. All right? Remember that the Bible was written for us, but not to us. So it was written to those who understand the meaning of what? Awawa at that moment. So anybody just say, the Awawa boys will not, be, will not pursue you. Uh, you will say amen because you understood what it means. So that is what, that is what, uh, but if I'm not writing from U.S., I've stayed in U.S. for two years, I will not use Awawa. I will use something that, the, that is in my normal environment. So, in U.S., so that I can convey it. So, you must know that the, the environmental factor matters. That is why you must read Bible introduction. Now, in case you don't have it in your, in your Bible, this is where your net Bible comes in. So, for instance, we are going to be studying 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, from verse 1 to 13. Alright, that's our pericope. Alright, now... If you go to netbible.org, you then see on your right constable notes. You click on constable notes in your in your in your um, in your netbible.org. All right, you will see that it will give you all the introduction you need. That's number one. If you don't want to use netbible.org, the next one you can use is bible.org. In fact, let me tell you something. Bible.org is the number one that scholars use all around the world, majorly used beside Logos. Anytime you want to know about cultural setting or about the introduction setting of any book, go to Bible.org. There you can then type it there, introduction to 2 Timothy. 
All right. Just type it in Bible.org. It will now give you all the backgrounds, the date it was written, when it was written, where it was written, what led to it. You see, that one alone, that background alone, when it's in your mind, by the time you are now seeing the letter, remember, I told you that epistles are what? Epistles are what? Letters. That's the, word, the English word for letters is what we call epistles. All right, that's why you see that they are called epistles, epistles. Now, every letter has an audience, right? That is what you should always have in mind when you are studying epistle. That every letter is written to a particular audience, either a person or a group of people. But every letter is, cannot be written arbitrarily. There must be somebody I am addressing that letter to. So, this is what will help you. So, those who talk about some doctrinal things is because they skip cultural background. If you go and read the first Corinthians and second Corinthians cultural background, you realize that it, it, it will tell you what was going on, the reason. So once you understood that background, most of the thing you are now reading it in light of what you have now gotten, the revelation that you have gotten. I hope this is clear for us. So this is where we're going to stop today. All right. Now, before we go into our various groups, all right, those of you who are joining online, if you have any questions, you can type it down. Does anybody need a question or clarification before we break into our various group? Questions, clarifications, questions, clarifications. All right. So those of you who, 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 who might have felt lost, maybe you joined late or um, you came late in person, don't worry. By the time you go to your various groups now, uh, we are going to ensure that those who have been here earlier on are on those various tables. They can explain. They were going to go to explain all this to you. So, and um, we'll you can then ask the question. It's very simple. So today, we are studying Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two. So let's first determine the pericope. What? How many pericope do we have in Second Timothy chapter two? So check the pericope for me. So I will know where to stop. I'm assuming I don't know where 2 Timothy or I've not opened it before. So based on what we have learned, what is the pericope you are going to follow? NIV, what's the pericope? ESD, tell me the pericope. And where that pericope, where that pericope stopped? Yes. NIV, where did your pericope stop? 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Where did that pericope stop? Give me how many pericope do you have? Where did they stop? Yes, yes, Bible student, Bible student, Bible student, let's be fast about it. You have it on your phone? Pardon? 13. So what's your pericope? Which version are you looking at? NIV, ESV? NIV. The, the pericope is what? The appeal renewed. Fantastic. Where did, what's the next pericope? Where did the next pericope flag up? What verse? Verse 13, verse 14. Do you see? So you see that you already know where your boundaries are, right? Now, looking at that edda, or that pericope, he said, the appeal renewed. It tells you what you're about to read. Already that this letter is what? Somebody appealing somebody that he has appealed to the person before. That's what that pericope has told you. That it's not a fresh letter. It's something that he has said before that is going to say again. I hope this is clear. So, at, on this note, we are going to be um, uh, ending this broadcast. It is my prayer that those of us who have joined online um, will also take our time to put all that you have learned in practice. Perhaps you are just joining. You can go back to this teaching um, and learn what you need to learn. All right. Take note of it because the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, 
but rightly dividing the word of truth. We are led, this is a season of we knowing how to rightly apply.